Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe here in the French Catholic Cafe in Lourdes, France. And our corner booth is ever so much more luxurious because of our wonderful guest, His Most Eminent Highness, Fra Matthew Festing, Prince and Grand Master of the Order of Malta. Your Highness, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Hi, hello. How kind of you to have me. It's wonderful that you're here. It's wonderful that we're here in Lourdes, France. And, and I so enjoy this pilgrimage, and I know that you do as well. And, you know, I think it's interesting that we are, we all come to Lourdes because of uh, Mary's appearing to a young peasant girl named Bernadette. And so in that, we kind of sense that we're all called by Mary, aren't we, to come to Lourdes. And I just thought maybe we should talk about maybe the connection of, of Mary to the order as well, because the Order of Malta is very connected, obviously, to the Blessed Mother. Where would we start when we're talking about Mary and the Order of Malta? Well, thinking of Lourdes to begin with, um, the, the message, the original sort of message about, of Lourdes, um, Our Lady's message, Mary's message, was to do with the poor and the sick, particularly the sick people. And if you remember, I think the very first person she cured here was a man who was working in a quarry who had become blinded by getting um, a chips of, of, of a stone in his eye. And it was the sort of first first of the cures, and there's been a great tradition of cures, and therefore cure leads you to ill people, ill people therefore leads you to Lourdes, and in the opposite direction, of course, it leads to us, because our tradition, our very old tradition, a thousand years, more or less, is of looking after the sick. So naturally, the Order of Malta and uh, Lourdes go together. That's the first thing. The second thing is that when the Order was in the island of Rhodes in the eastern Mediterranean, one of the things that it um, inherited, if you like, was a very famous icon. And, of course, the tradition of the Eastern Church is rather different from ours. The Western Church regards icons as holy pictures. Right. Of course, in the East, an icon is a different thing. It's a much more sacred item. So if you, if you see somebody from the Eastern Church is given an icon, the first thing they do is kiss it. Yes. It doesn't matter whether it's a, the, you know, a very, very cheap new one or whether it's a wonderful one which has been there for centuries. So um, it, by chance, by um, history, we happen to have uh, inherited one of the most important icons of Christendom when we were in Rhodes. And that is what we call the icon of Our Lady of Filermo. And that, again, it doesn't belong to us anymore because of the complications of history, but it did for a period uh, of about four centuries. And it's very central to the order. Our Lady of Falermo is the patron of the order, or patroness of the order. So therein lies the connection, I guess. How beautiful. And so that's maintained even to this this day. Uh, And, you know, I think it's interesting that even beyond the order, I mean, as, as all members of the body of Christ, I mean, I think it's important that all of us realize the important connection uh, the important idea that we would see the Blessed Mother as our mother, someone we can take recourse to. Yes, that's true. I mean, I remember years ago, funny enough, here in Lourdes, um, there were some Protestant pilgrims with us. And they, of course, they don't have this, this um, 
this sort of rather more intimate connection with, with Mary. Um, and um, I remember somebody rather, I think they were probably rather anti-Catholic, they said to me, we don't understand, you know, we don't understand about this. Sure, we see the sick, we see all that. But why are you worshipping Mary? Ah. What's this worship of Mary? And I said, but it's not a worship. It's not a worship. Well, they said, well, you could have fooled me. You could have fooled us. You know, what, what is it if it's not? And I had to then try to explain to them that it's a different relationship. The point of, of, of Mary is that she is she's bringing you to her son. And therefore, it's a different... It, it's not um, in the same way that, you know, we might pray in front of a statue in the Catholic Church, which they, in general terms, don't. And we use it as something to draw you towards... That's right. ...towards Christ. In the same way that that, that I think, is what, what Mary does. And so that is, again... I mean, to a Catholic, it's, it, it doesn't seem very peculiar. But I think if you're not a Catholic... It's difficult to get your head around that. And you, know, you, can, you, know, you can confuse her with some sort of mother goddess, which she isn't. You know, we can go to the scriptures, right? And we can see in the, the Magnificat, it's such a, a beautiful passage in the uh, first chapter of Luke, where she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Right, there in that line is, is just sums up Catholic teaching that her soul, that she brings us closer, like a magnifying glass. She helps us to see, to see Jesus. Now... Is it true that back in Lepanto, Mary played a part in, in a great battle? Well, we have all that because, of course, Our Lady of Falamo, this, this, right. this image, she was then used as a sort of way of inspiring people so that the, the great ships of the order of Lepanto and on these various other battles, um, that she appeared on the stern of the ship on a flag, which was, again, a great, um, a great business of... of, of of inspiring you. And, and it's interesting that you sort of thing has gone out rather, but I was fascinated a few years ago. I was in Hungary, and uh, it was a great celebration of the fall of communism, is the, what the point of the visit was. And the, the Hungarian Hazar Regiment, instead of having as a, as a regiment of, of, in the West, or Western Europe would have, some sort of rather nationalistic thing on its flag, that's not, that's not what they had at all. The Hungarian cavalry regiment in the middle of Budapest had Our Lady on its flag. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting. interesting. And it's clearly to do with Our Lady being an inspiration to you to be brave, to defend your country. And again, that goes right back to our understanding of Mary as our mother. Even, even if some of her children would not recognize that relationship with her, right? They're still her children. Oh, sure. There's another great passage I, I, I'm reminded of, and that's in the second chapter of John, when she says quite simply, do whatever he tells you. Yeah, sure. Right at the wedding feast at Cana. It's another idea of like, well, why we, we value so much uh, the intercession and just the, the assistance of, of Mary, and that simple instructions yet so powerful, just do whatever he, and he being Jesus, tells us another way that she leads us that she sure, not to Jesus. Sure. I mean, it's, if you actually think about it, the number of times she's mentioned in the New Testament are not very many. Right. You know, she's, she's, she's sort of, she's a presence in the background, and occasionally she comes forward. But in general terms, she's very much in the background. She's often hinted at. We know of her presence. Right. But the marriage feast at Cana, that, that thing that you just quoted, is, of course, exactly significant because exactly what she says, do whatever he tells you. And that's, that's, fun, that's, a, you know, that's her position. That's where she is. 
you know, anywhere where she's appeared, whether she's appeared at Lourdes, she's appeared at Fatima, at all the, her various manifestations, they're all connected up. Even if you think in England, the very ancient shrine of Walsingham, again, she appeared to somebody well before the Norman Conquest, same idea as Loretto, but it's another 120, 150 years earlier than Loretto. What is she doing? What's she saying when she, when she appears? She's saying, do something. Do something, do something which is going to bring you nearer to God. So again, Walsingham, what she said was, build a replica of the holy house in which we all lived in um, Nazareth. Right. And then, of course, she said the same story, if you like, the, the, the much more famous um, shrine of, of Loretto. Um, and it's like all these things. I mean, you know, it's rather intriguing. Um, you know, Guadalupe, after all, on, on, on the American side of the Atlantic, right. um, there she is again. But she's not, you know, she's not saying, come and worship me. She's not came, saying, come and pray specifically to me. What she's doing is saying, um, this is a message I'm giving you. It's a message I'm giving you. And, and take it forward, and it will lead you to Christ. She says it always. And she said it's such a beautiful message. It's such a beautiful, uh, you know, image, the understanding and who Mary is. And so it's not a, it's not a bullhorn, yeah, yeah, right, sure. but, a, but a whisper, uh, yeah. like a mother's whisper. So it's quite beautiful. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you know, I'm, goodness says I rather, I've always been intrigued about exactly how she sounded. I mean, how did, what did her voice sound What like? did Bernadette hear? What did Bernadette hear? Exactly as you say, what did Bernadette actually hear? And um, you remember it says, with the account of the, of the first apparition says, when she was down by the, what is now the grotto, she suddenly was aware of this sort of funny wind blowing. Funny wind. Hmm. It's an interesting thing also in, in scripture about, about the wind. I mean, there's so many times when something funny is happening, right. there's a wind, there's a funny wind, there's a sort of voice in the wind. Very fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. beautiful. Yeah, it makes it's you want to have heard it. <laughs> oh, sure, I'd love to hear it. They didn't really I have I think it might give me a bit of a fright if I did, but I'd I, love to, yeah. Sure. I wonder if they would have, like, little recording devices, you know. You know, if Mary, when Mary appears now, you know, if she would actually come into the Catholic cafe, we would have uh, our recording here. We could, we could record that wind, perhaps. Yeah, well, she know. might say, would you mind turning that off, please? I don't know. <laughs> Exactly right. You know, there's a famous, there is a very famous, I can't remember who it's by. It's by some, it's not Botticelli, but it's by a very famous artist. And it always makes me laugh because it's a wonderful, wonderful um, Renaissance picture of Our Lady. And she's got the child Jesus in her arms. Right. And then below, there are two cherubs. One is playing a drum and the other is blowing a trumpet. Right. And she's looking down. She's looking down. And I'm sure she's saying, will you two stop making that racket? So what that's what she appears to be doing what in a very charming way. What you're saying is that, uh, that her voice sounds like my mother, who, <laughs> that I, I remember quite often being told many times in a very loving way, yeah. stop that racket. Just stop that racket, please. <laughs> How beautiful. Well, we have more to talk about the Order and uh, the Blessed Mother uh, when we come back. Before we uh, leave for a little break here, I want to remind folks at home we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love uh, for you to send me an email. Uh, you can do that, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski 
and this is another great moment in church history. Since the earliest days of the church, Mary, the mother of Jesus, has been a shining example of perfect Christianity and inspiration to believers throughout the world. After the course of her life here on earth was completed, Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven. For nearly two millennia now, she has demonstrated her intense motherly love for us all and her willingness to intercede to Christ on our behalf, offering comfort to those plagued by pain and sorrow. Take the case of a young African girl born in the Darfur region of southern Sudan in the early 1800s. We don't know her real name because she was bought and sold so many times that even she did not know her true identity. Her Muslim captors, who kidnapped her at age seven, named her Bakita. After many torturous years in slavery, marked by hard labor, unspeakable brutality, and even human branding, Bakita ended up in the hands of an Italian gentleman in the Sudan, who took her back, as a slave, to Italy. She served as a house mother to a girl who was being taught by nuns. As she interacted with the sisters and followed along with the child's schoolwork, she felt drawn to the Catholic faith. She found hope in the teachings of the church, but as importantly, aid and comfort in the protective love of the Blessed Mother. Just a few years later, the Italian courts freed her. For the first time since age seven and after so many masters, the only master she would now serve was God. Bikita entered the Institute of St. Magdalene of Canossa, where she made her profession three years later. She took the name Josephine Bikita. She loved her faith, and she flourished as a religious sister. She once said, Be good, love the Lord, pray for those who do not know Him. What a great grace it is to know God. Josephine always had a beautiful smile on her face, but inwardly she struggled with the scars of her captivity. On her deathbed, after so many dark and painful years as a slave, she started to let the chains of her memories drag her down. She pleaded with Mary for assistance. As she neared death, a great peace came over her, and she called out her final words, Our Lady, Our Lady. Her ensuing smile gave testimony that Mary did not abandon her in her final hour and would indeed lead her to the loving arms of her Savior. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe, joined by His Most Eminent Highness, Fra Matthew Festing, Prince and Grand Master of the Order of Malta. And again, Your Highness, we really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. Uh, and I, apparently you're having a, a, a little time with the, with the asthma, and we're, we're praying for you. And I'm sure everyone <laughs> listening now is, is, is uh, in, invoking your name in prayer, and maybe our Blessed Mother's going to help you yeah. through this second segment. Uh, well, it's, it's a funny place, Lord. I always get asthma here, and I very much dislike having it. But, of course, you, I feel so solidarity because St. Bernadette apparently had asthma, Oh, too. goodness. So, see, it's but a connection. Yeah, you know, it's a sort of connection. And somebody was, I mean, the 19th century, you know, their knowledge of medicine was a bit different from ours. Right. Apparently, she was encouraged to smoke a pipe. 
Oh, goodness. How crazy is that? <laughs> well, medicine has certainly changed well, in the so years. We, so we hope. Well, so I wonder if you would indulge me a moment and uh, allow me just a tiny bit of invasion into, in, into your privacy, if you don't mm-hmm. mind. I, I, we were at recently here. One of the beautiful things that we do here in Lourdes is we do a beautiful Eucharistic procession. And I happened to look across the way, and I saw you there. And as we were in an, uh, an, a moment of adoration uh, of the Blessed Sacrament there, Jesus is right before us. And I, and I saw you pull out your rosary. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was interesting. I thought it was quite beautiful. And it just struck me that you were making a connection, again, there between Mary and Jesus and how natural it was uh, for you to pray a rosary, mm. right, a bouquet of roses for Our Lady, yes, sure. and then also to be in the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and how beautiful that was to make that connection. Tell me a little bit about your personal devotion to Our Lady. Um, well, I think the rosary is an interesting thing, isn't it? I remember there was a wise old priest, famous priest, a very famous old English priest called Monsignor Gilbert, loved and known by many. And I once said to him years ago, I, he, I, I can't remember the context originally of the conversation but I said I just bought a new rosary and he said what on earth for what an extraordinary <laughs> thing to do what a very peculiar thing to do and I knew him very well I called him by his Christian name um, he was then about 80 and I was about 20 but I always called him by his Christian name and I said but Alfred I mean it must be obvious why I bought a rosary and he said well it seems to me to be an inexplicable thing to do so I was of course intrigued by this and uh, I said, well, how the, you know, what do you mean? And he said, well, the reason that God has given you five digits on each hand uh. is only peripherally to do with picking things up. It's so <laughs> that you can say your rosary. And then, of course, he roared with laughter. Right. Because we all know it's the other way around. But it's an interesting thing because it's um, the rosary, the actual beads of the rosary help you concentrate on what you're doing. Right. But, of course, the beauty of it as a, as a devotion, as a prayer, is that you can do it anywhere. You can do it anywhere. Right. I, I and mean, when I'm driving the car, I, I, um, I have to say my rosary at some stage. It's very easy to put your hands on the steering wheel and then move your fingers. Right. I'm sure the, the health and safety man would say this is yeah. absolutely incorrect. <laughs> Folks, don't means, try this at home. Yeah, don't try this at home <laughs> and all that jazz. But um, it's true. I mean, I think saying your rosary is, is, is I mean, it, it comes to me rather naturally. I didn't, that's interesting that you noticed me doing it because I was probably doing it completely unconsciously. No, you weren't waving it around. No, no. no sure. I'm, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I just yeah. was struck by the beauty of it and, again, the connection between Our Lady, there she was, she was leading us to her son. Sure. Right? And you see, the other interesting thing about, the, about um, you know, when I was a child and, and, and Mass and all was in Latin, and many people didn't understand Latin, and so what did they do when they went to Mass? They said their rosary. Right. And they were very devotional, and it was perfectly natural. One of the things we've lost, I think, now is this business of this devotion because everybody says, oh, you've got to understand every single word that's said to you. Well, I'm not sure that I agree. I think you're, I'm just as happy. I mean, this morning, we had mass. We had the great big mass here. Lord, right. We had mass in goodness knows how many different languages. Um, I spent quite a lot of my time at mass this morning saying my rosary. Right. Um, and and I, don't think, I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, we were joined, by the way, in praying the rosary because I don't understand a, a, a lick of any of the other languages. I, I pick a word out here and there. Mm. And there's long periods of time. And here we are in the universal church, mm. 
you know, uh, doing the, the, uh, this great uh, liturgical work of the Mass, and mm. it's a, essentially a, the prayer of the church and how mm. beautiful that is. And so, again, we involve Our Lady just in, in Mass well, in those see, opportunities. Absolutely. But, but one of you know, what you've just said, is, it's, a slightly, it's an ironic thing, isn't it? As you just said, exactly. Here we are as part of the Universal Church. The one thing, of course, that we've lost with the vernacular liturgy is ah. the lack. We've lost the universality of it. We've completely lost it. Because um, if I can't, um, if I don't go to Mass in English, and I happen to hear part of it in Polish or Chinese or Dutch or whatever, the, you know, whatever it is, right. as we have here at Lourdes, the answer is, of course, you've lost the universality. I was very interested, um, very interested some months ago. I was in Mexico. And, of course, 99% probably of the pilgrims to Guadalupe uh-huh. are Spanish-speaking. So the whole liturgy is in Spanish. And actually, it, it has a... I, didn't, I don't speak a word of Spanish. I can't, right. I can't say thank you in Spanish. Um, but I was very intrigued by the fact that the whole liturgy was in a language, one language. And, of course, it's very devotional. It's very much less um, the sort of disorganizing. You know, the whole way through so much of the liturgy here, you think... Um, well, what on earth is he saying now? Right. What language could this possibly be? I don't know whether you do. I, I spend my time wondering, firstly, what it is I'm listening to, which language, and then wondering what the hell the next one is going to be. <laughs> and it's actually very, it's very distracting. Sometimes it can be. Yeah. It can be. But I do remember one time when I happened to be on, uh, on, a, on a Sunday, I was in, I was in China. Mm-hmm. You know, and I went to mass, and they didn't have an English mass where I was, and so I went to a mass in Chinese, oh, sure. and I was amazed at how I actually knew. Oh, this is the Our Father. I know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, yeah, once yeah. you catch on, and then I can kind of mutter in English, you know, yeah. uh, what I'm supposed to be doing. But you're right; you can get sort of distracted, and mm-hmm. suddenly you start watching the deacon puttering around up there, moving things around. Yeah, yeah. But you see, you were in China, and it was in Chinese. That's fine. Right. We're in France. If it was in French, that's fine too. The difficulty that I have with these changes, particularly here at Lourdes, is this constant right. thing of having it in... From not one to the next. One, then to the next, yeah. then to the next, then to the next. And there's a sort of idea that in order to please every pilgrim, you have to have at least one thing in their language. Well, you know, I, I understand. And actually, I, 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 I think I agree with that. It's just I don't think that you're ever going to change that here oh, in no, Lourdes. Oh, no, 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 right? no. <laughs> It's, it's an established fact. Oh. <laughs> we can Ooh. start a campaign, but it won't do any good. No, no, you're dead right. I know that one. And actually, I don't think I really want to start a campaign, but I'm just it's an observation. Right, right. Well, it, it calls us a deeper sense of prayer. Sure. Right? And, so, and again, it's an opportunity to pray the rosary. If you don't yeah, know sure. what you're doing, praying the sure, rosary sure, sure. and then you know, offering the Mass for whatever particular intention, how beautiful that is. Because the, the rosary is really uh, – I, I had one priest tell me that it was a weapon. You know, we're, we're so sometimes, uh, you know, we don't like war, we don't like weapons, but, and yet this is a weapon against evil, you know, that was oh, given sure. to us, that how beautiful this is that we can pray this, and, yes. and the devil doesn't like the rosary. He doesn't like the rosary. And you see, one of the other things, I think it's very, very interesting, and we all have, um, I mean, in my country, we all have Protestant friends and relations. The one thing that, the, the one of the things that they're very intrigued by is the rosary. Yeah. And so often somebody says to you, you are lucky to have that. I wish we had something like that. How do I do it? How does it work? Yeah. How do you, you know? And it, it is it's a very interesting thing that people are fascinated by, there's no doubt. Yeah, we had actually a, uh, a Lutheran gentleman who was listening to this program, mm-hmm. who was listening to uh, one we did on the rosary, 
And he wrote in and he said, I, I'm interested in that. Mm. And so he said, could you send me a rosary or some in- instructions on some how to. instructions. Yeah, and so we did. And uh, so here's a Lutheran somewhere praying the rosary. How awesome that yeah. is. It is. It's fascinating. But then, but you know, when you go, if you go to the Middle East or you go to India, what do you see? You see people saying the rosary. Well, they're not saying the rosary. they got prayer beads. They're right? saying, you know, the, the, the hundred titles of Allah, whatever it happens to be. And the Hindus have another version of it. And so the idea of actually praying using something of beads, it's something, it's, 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 a, it's a much more ancient thing. And we happen to have adapted it in a particular way. Right. In fact, that's, that's its history. Well, speaking of, you know, the rosary and, of course, speaking of Mary, um, and here you are, uh, Your Highness, as the, as the prince and grandmaster of this Order of Malta and, and somewhat of a spiritual father for, for these knights and dames. You may not want the, re- <laughs> the not responsibility. Sure I like that idea, yes. But, but, you know, I think people would hear you. And so you're, if you're speaking to the knights and dames of Malta and, and indeed to all members of the body of Christ, uh, could you give us some words of uh, encouragement in terms of uh, in, in maybe getting Mary back involved in our lives? We want to get re- reignite that, that passion for that devotion to our Blessed Mother? Well, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think it's something which the Church in the last... My, this is only my own observation. When I was a child, the business of a devotion to Mary was absolutely central. It was completely central to everything every Catholic did. Right. And we've slightly, I believe... Although I think the pendulum is probably swinging again, uh, I think over the last 40, 50 years, we've slightly got away from that as a devotion. Right. You know, how many, how many Catholics born in the last 20 years know the litany of Our Lady, right. the litany of Loretto, the memorare as a prayer? I mean, they probably know the Hail Mary, sure. sure. Right. Now, it's not a criticism, but it's a fact. Now, I, think, I personally think that, I mean, I'm 60, whatever I am, I'm muddled by how We'll just say 50. 60, 64 <laughs> is what I think I am. Right. And um, when I was a child, I mean, you, you, you know, by the time you were five years old, you knew all these things. Right. And all those that wonderful, all those wonderful titles of Our Lady, Tower of David, Tower of Ivory, you all those wonderful things. Ark of the Covenant, Morning Star, all the things we were taught to say. Right. And I think we've lost that. And I think there's a great argument for saying, why not try to resurrect that a bit? Because I think it's, it's inspiring, it's beautiful, and again, it, it leads you vara, lady, in the direction of Christ, in my view, anyway. I think that's a great view, and I, and I, and I applaud that view, spiritual <laughs> father. I think <laughs> Please don't call me spiritual father. That's a very embarrassing idea. Well, we won't do that anymore. But we, you know, we really do, uh, Your Highness, appreciate your um, your being here and taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to talk about our Blessed Mother and how mm. wonderful that is. And and uh, thank you so much for joining us here in the luxurious corner booth. And I'll tell you what, what to to end things since we're here in Lourdes, we should uh, ask for Our Lady's intercession. Sure. Yeah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, Send an email to Deacon Jeff at the Catholic Cafe. 
www.catholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. 